This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey everybody, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Please go to the website and find that link that will take you to the Hui Deal Pipeline Club to get access to the deals that I come across. Today, I got Jordan Goodman on the line. Jordan has spent the last 40 years focusing on helping Americans do better with their money. He has his own talk show podcast, and you can find him on the www.moneyanswers.com. How are you doing, Jordan? Great to be with you, Lane. You ready to dive into these simple passive cash flow questions? Absolutely. I'm ready to dive right in. So how much simple passive cash flow are you making today, and how are you doing it? I'm getting between fifteen and 20000 a week, something like that. That's that's pretty good. That's worked out pretty well. Um, so the way I do it is I do it through affiliates and through leverage. Leverage is the key to being successful in passive cash flow, meaning you only have so much time and effort and expertise yourself. But if you leverage other people's time and expertise and connections, then there's no much no no limit to how much you can make. All right. It's kind of like the difference between a W-2 employee uh, trading time for dollars. You only have so much time, so it limits how much you can make. But if you have, in your case, 10 properties all giving you income, you know, you're, you're, you've leveraged your time in, in a good way. So that's what I do. And so I leverage my expertise and media connections. I'm on TV and radio shows all the time to tell people about really good financial services and products. They go there, take advantage of those things, and then when business happens, which is all the time, I get a piece of the action. So that's what I call leverage. So that's why uh, it can be really significant if you can leverage your expertise, time, and contacts uh, to really do well. Right. I talk a lot about time, money, and knowledge, that triangle, and trying to right. figure out what you're good at. So you're definitely very self-aware. <laughs> Yes. Well, I use my time to make connections. I don't have to be an expert in all the different areas I tell people about, but I have to know they're good. And then if I refer other people to them, they go do their thing and I get a piece of the action. So that's the way it works. It's, it's an affiliate marketing uh, system. And it can be done online. It can be done offline as well. It could be done through seminars. But the, the point is <laughs> I'm leveraging my expertise and time with those of others, and the two of us, one plus one equals three, I guess you might say. Right. So you wanted to come and talk about the mortgage acceleration yes. idea today. So this is a – well, it's called acceleration sometimes. It's also called uh, mortgage equity optimization. And under the right circumstances, it can be a great tool to allow you to either pay off your own mortgage on your owner-occupied home or on a rental property – much, much, much faster than you ever thought possible. You can pay off a 30-year mortgage in about five to seven years on your existing level of income using mortgage equity optimization. People say, how could that possibly be? My bank never told me about that. Well, the bank doesn't want you to know about it. The bank wants you to have a 30-year mortgage and pay. Remember, with a 30-year mortgage, all the interest is up front. First 10 to 15 years, you're making very, very little progress on the principal. And then even better for the bank, is if you refinance and start a new 30-year clock all over again with all the interest up front. Again, this is why the banks do so well. Mortgage optimization turns things completely opposite of that 
And instead of having very little progress in the principle, if you do this right, every day you are making accelerating progress in the principle until the whole mortgage is paid off in roughly five to seven years. I sent you a chapter of a book I did called Master Your Debt. Chapter six is called Mortgage Free in Five to Seven Years, and it goes into that in some detail. Um, a website people can find out more about this is truthinequity.com. So I'm just going to briefly describe how this works, Lane, okay? So what you do uh, is you have a home equity line of credit, a HELOC as they call it, which is a liquid line against your house. You can put money in, you can take it out whenever you like. You keep your income, which normally is sitting in a checking account, in the HELOC instead. So for example, say you have a rental property, instead of having the rent going to you uh, and sitting in your checking account, you put it in the HELOC related to that property and you're your every day that goes by, you push the balance down a little bit. HELOCs are based on what's called average daily balance. How much do you owe today? So just to take a super simple example, say you had a $50,000 HELOC, you got a check for $1,000 from a rent. Instead of putting that $1,000 in your checking account, earning nothing, you put it in the HELOC. Instead of owing $50,000, you owe $49,000. And the amount of interest you pay is basically the amount you owe. So you now owe interest on $49,000 instead of $50,000. So every month you keep doing that, and you keep that rental income pushing that principal down, and within five to seven years, that property is now free and clear, and you've just increased your cash flow dramatically because you don't have mortgage or property or, or, or interest to pay on anymore. Does that, that make sense? Right. So you can use that for rental property, or you can use it for your individual home. Try to do both. I, I'm big on getting out of debt. Some people like debt. I'd much rather have a property be free and clear. It's I'm a mortgage optimization. Cash flow. I don't care what the debt is. Well, but it increases your cash flow if you have less debt, right? If you have a property free and clear, you have a lot more cash flow from that than if you have a mortgage on it. I think of it in terms of like I got a bigger factory. I'm making more widgets. I got a bigger profit margin. That's right. So getting that mortgage paid off faster makes, as you say, a bigger factory making more widgets. Because a lot of the rent you have now is going towards mortgage interest, which instead would be owing to you. And then you can use that money to buy other properties and keep building your factories. Think of it that way. So uh, now one objection people have is, oh, well, I'm not going to get as many deductions. Mortgage deductions are over, um, oversold, I guess you might say. Right, I totally agree over with that. I'm not going to spend $100 just to save 20 Which is what people do. Oh, I've got to get a bigger, as big a house as I can get because I'm going to get mortgage, more deductions. I mean, say you're in the 25% bracket, you're still paying 75 cents on the dollar after tax. So it's not a great deal. <laughs> so don't be tempted just because you get mortgage deductions. I'd rather have a property be free and clear uh, and get all the income from it that I can put into new properties than to pay a mortgage on something. So it, there's there's some complexities in it. You have to know how to use this HELOC, and you, what you do is you, you link your HELOC to your checking account. So money's kind of going back and forth in various ways. Uh, but if you do it right and you have the discipline to actually implement that, it's a fantastic, fantastic system. At that website I gave you, truthinequity.com, it's a free website. You go on there, you fill in numbers. That's what's called a personal profile. You put in your income, your expenses, the value of the house, the mortgage, all the things. They'll say, okay, based on what you're doing today, it's going to take you 28 and a half years to pay it off, whatever it may be. And with the numbers you just gave us, your payoff date is 5.6 years, whatever the numbers come out to be. And they show you step-by-step step how to do it. So what a difference taking literally 20 years or 25 years off your mortgage. Think of the tens of thousands of dollars in interest you'll save. 
And again, you are never going to hear about this from a bank, okay, because they have no interest whatsoever in having you pay the mortgage off faster. They want it to be as slow as possible and even better, refinance so you start a new clock all over again. Yeah, so the people that listen to the show, they're pretty they're pretty smart. And a lot of times they get the shining object syndrome too. But let's have a discussion about this is another tool in the toolbox. When did we use this tool and when do we, we not? What are some of the downsides of this? Well, the, I mean, the downside on the individual side for your own home is you, you get a lot of equity very quickly. And it can be a temptation to, as you say, buy shining objects. And it's like, wow. I mean, people did that in the mid-2000s. They were draining their homes of equity, like an ATM machine, and then going out and spending it on all kinds of stuff. Well, that didn't turn out too well because the value of the homes went down. So it's a disciplined process to get your expenses down, to free up your money to invest for yourself. Now, it can be in stocks and bonds and mutual funds, which I know you don't like, but that's one way to do it. Or Oops. people can get into trouble if they make too much progress too quickly. But the people that are going to be good for this kind of equity optimization strategy are your kind of listeners who want to be careful about these things, watch and, and, and uh, be on the ball and, and really make the most of their opportunities. I'll put in my two cents. I personally don't like the strategy for what I do. I mm-hmm. I like to optimize my money into down payments, into building, doing real estate investments. And you know, I like to see optimized. But I do recognize this as a good solution for someone who just is not doing anything in terms of real estate or looking for more of a little balance. Right. And I think you and I will disagree on the whole debt discussion. I mean, I'm like, why would I want to pay down my debt on this one factor when I could have bought five? That's how, that's the way I feel. And there's different different goals. It comes down to your goals. If you're looking later on in your investing career and you're looking to deleverage because you're going to pass it off as a legacy asset, you're going to use different tools than someone like myself who's trying to build up to that critical mass point. And Just think that, of having a, an investment that you put a, a mortgage, you went down, you put 20% down, and to have that mortgage paid off completely in five years. You're 30, it's completely paid off by 35 isn't that better than having it paid off by 60? <laughs> you know, so well, yeah, that's but I could, you know, I, I'm going to argue that it's better to have 10 properties creating passive cash flow at today's dollar, today's yeah. market value. So do a little bit of each, yeah. do a little bit of each. But I just want to give people a tool they probably hadn't heard about before that can be used both for investment properties and their own individual homes. Let me talk about because like I run to a lot of people like this that you know I'm obviously not going to get them to buy a, a rental or do any sort of private money lending or any sort of syndication or do nothing. And I'm like, at the very least, you should be doing what Jordan's talking about and doing this mortgage paydown strategy. How right. do you how do you get people to you know change their mindset, do it something is, different? It, you're right. It is difficult. People are very resistant to change. You probably see that. I like to hand people diamonds and gold and platinum and it's like, take it, you know? It's like, oh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> you know? it's, it's, it is amazing. And, I mean, I have many resources. This is just one example where I know it's good and I know it can actually work. And yet people, well, I haven't heard about that before, so I'm, they're resistant to change. So there's a natural defense mechanism that goes up when it's something they haven't heard about before. And sometimes they're relying on traditional authorities so they'll, they'll say, oh, I'm interested in mortgage equity optimization. They'll go to their banker and say, what do you think of that? He said, I've never heard of it before. Sounds like a scam to me or whatever the banker will say. Of course, his interest 
is totally against paying the mortgage off faster, right? So you're asking the wrong source in a case like that. Um, so, I mean, this is what I've done. Uh, I've been doing this for almost 40 years uh, and helped, in the case of mortgage optimization, over 50,000 people I've referred to, truth and equity people, and they've helped thousands and thousands of people save tens of thousands of dollars and pay their mortgage off many, many years faster than they ever thought. So it's it's an empowering tool if you can kind of get your mind around it. So you're kind of the guy who just gives them a nice little PDF. Here's the information and call me and I just go to that tell them to go to that truthandequity.com. That's all I need to do. And then they take it from there. I don't yeah. send them PDFs. <laughs> I've got a link to it. My website, moneyanswers.com, has links to all kinds of different resources, and that's just one example of them. Yeah, I tell people like, hey, if you if you like what you're going now, you know, working at this job for thirty years and working like eighty hour hours a week. I mean, yeah, you can keep doing what you're doing, but at some point you got to change, do something right. else if you want to burn out. Result. Right. Well, a lot of people are getting to retirement without hardly any assets at all. Maybe they've got their house. They've been doing a, a, a job. They've been getting a 401k and they built up something. A lot of people are getting to retirement with nothing saved. 40% of the people receiving Social Security, it is their only source of income. They do not, they have not saved a dime. Okay, so there's a lot of people doing well, but a lot of people are not doing well, and they just don't have the habit of saving or investing or having their assets grow for them. And that's what's so good about what you do is you're giving people, the average person, a way to have their assets grow um, by using appropriate leverage and positive cash flow. So a lot of us, we have parents who don't do any investing, which is probably the reason why there's such a pain point for a lot of us to start investing and being financially free. But, you know, they're sitting on a good amount of equity. Do you think that, the, you know, these people, they should go and get another 30-year mortgage or just pay off the loan using a strategy like this? What do you, it what always do you... depends on what's the alternative use of the money. That's the question to ask. So if you get a mortgage, say it's at 4% today, 30-year mortgage at 4%. Well, if you invested in something that's going to give you less than 4%, it doesn't make any sense, right? But if you invest in something that's going to give you more than 4%, then it might make some sense. And I'll give you an example of something that I've been doing, where you can get 8% very safely. Uh, and in a case like that, if you pay four and earn eight, you're ahead of the game. It's a kind of a positive arbitrage. And what I'm referring to are what are called commercial real estate income funds. And there's a website for that, commercialrealestateincomefunds.com. What they do, it's a diversified portfolio of maybe 30 or 40 different loans that they're doing over a short-term time period, one year, they're about two commercial real estate projects of various types. They use it to renovate or improve existing property. And then when the property is improved, it is sold. And some of the profits from that property go back to you, the fund shareholder, completely passively. You don't have to be involved at all. You just give them a check and you get checks. That's a, and you can either take the checks if you like, or you can reinvest them back into the fund and have it compound at 8% as well. So there's a, a real estate strategy that is truly passive. And what you do is pretty passive. But you do have to go out and buy the property, and there's a management firm. Here you just write them a check, and you get checks. Completely passive. But they've been doing this for like 35 years very, very uh, you know, responsibly and had a, a great track record of doing it. And their whole strategy is what they call forced appreciation. They're lending to somebody who's improving an existing property in a way that's going to be very predictable. And when the project's done, it's going to work out very well. I'll just give you an example of one of the ones they did recently. There was a guy that had a large house in a university town, I think it was Boulder, Colorado, 
that he was renting out to two students. He got a loan from the fund, completely renovated the same house, and a year later, it had four rentals, four bathrooms, four kitchens, four doors, same house, double the income. So obviously the value of that house went up dramatically because it's double the income it was a year ago. He then sold it at a profit and shares some of that profit back with the fund shareholders. So they're getting 8% all the way along and a piece, another 1% or 2% on top of that when the project is sold. And there might be 30 or 40 of them going on at any particular time all over the country. So that there's a way of earning 8%, and if you borrow at 4%, then you keep the difference. That that's would make sense for me. Mr. Jordan, what is your Han Solo moment? And for those of you who don't know what this is, Describe a time in your life where, you know, maybe you got into affiliate marketing and, you know, you just wasn't working what you were doing right. in the past. Well, I worked at Money Magazine for 18 years, uh, which I enjoyed a lot, but I was a W-2 worker, basically. And when you're working for a company like that, in that case, Time Life, Time Warner, um, you can't do a lot of other things. <laughs> I had to stay late closing stories and, and all that. Um, so when I left Money, I said, I've got to do something different using the expertise and contacts I'd built up while I was at Money to start doing this affiliate marketing and, and leveraging the contacts I'd made in many, many years at, at Money Magazine. That was the, the Han Solo moment, I guess you might say. One specific thing I did, uh, there's a guy named T. Harv Ecker. You may be familiar with, with T. Harv. Uh, he has a something called the uh, Millionaire Mind, uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, and he's got these Millionaire Mind seminars and so on. And I learned a lot about this there about leverage, um, about you know everything we've been talking about here. And I ended up speaking on Harv's stage seven times. He has something called Millionaire School, which is how to learn to become a millionaire. Um, so that to me was just kind of a, a turning point, was to take all this knowledge, all these contacts I'd had for many, many years working at Money Magazine, and becoming Me, Inc., instead of working for, in my case, Time, Inc. <laughs> so that's what I think, was the turning point. Did you quit Cold Turkey, or did you kind of build this up as a side gig? It was a side gig. No, I, Cold Turkey is not usually a good idea. It, it, when you abandon one boat, you got to have the other boat there. You know, it's going. So by the time I left money, and it was perfectly amicable, I already had a lot of things going. Uh, I've done books. The first book I did was in 1983 called The Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms, and that's now in its ninth edition. So that was already up and running, producing uh, royalties, passive income. Speaking, I, I had a lot of things already going, radio and TV shows that all continued after I left money. So no, you, I think you want the next boat to be ready when you leave one boat and don't just jump into the water and hope it's going to work out. That's probably right. not going to work out too well. At least a few thousand dollars of passive income. <laughs> yeah, you want to have that going for you. It, it, uh, some people do that and they just quit their job and you know they'll figure it out later or they move to the country or something. You really have to – it should be a slow transition, uh, and you might have tested it out. Uh, I mean, if, for example, say you're retiring. You shouldn't just sell your home and move to Florida or something. Test it out and see if you like it because a lot of people don't like it, and then they want to move back. So you know, it should be a gradual uh, transition. Not being one of the big boys in investing quite yet, 
aka the accredited investor in the eyes of the SEC, it's tough to find good options for investing. But then I started investing in the American Homeowner Preservation Fund, or AHP Fund, which is crowdfunding the mortgage crisis in America. The fund collaborates with existing homeowners to keep them in their homes. It's a way to make great returns while feeling good about making a social impact. After investing myself in the fund, it was awesome when they approached me to become an advertiser of the company. You can start investing with as little as 100 bucks, and if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email to lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. The worst life or business moment, and what did you do after? What was the lesson learned? Okay, so I've got a doozy for you. So one of the books I did in the early 90s was called Everyone's Money Book, uh, about 970 pages, book about all aspects of personal finance. Uh, I had been on a radio show for many, many, about 10 years with a guy named Sonny Block, uh, who had a daily radio show on about 300 stations, very, very well uh, respected person. And so he had done seven previous books before me and came to me and said, we should really do a book together. I mean, meaning I write the thing 100%, but he appears on the cover with me. Okay. So we did that. The book came out in 1992. He promoted his radio show. I was doing my thing. It all worked really well. And then he got into trouble. And without going to all the details, he ended up in jail. That's <laughs> what happened. <laughs> And had um, he was on the cover of the tabloids, you know, Sonny goes to jail, this big financial radio talk show host giving bad advice. He was selling unregistered securities on his radio show to a, you know, a huge national audience, and the SEC went after him. He divorced his wife of 25 years and married a Dominican Republic printing baroness named Hilda Cabrera and moved into her estate with a pool and this whole beautiful stuff. And he was doing his broadcast from the pool in Dominican Republic and didn't think there was an extradition treaty with America. Well, it turns out there is. So he was saying, they, they can't come and get me. And he had pictures of himself by the pool and his gold chains and the whole thing. Well, they, that was telling people where to go. And they went and got him and they brought him back and put him in the, in the tombs, which is the kind of holding jail in downtown Manhattan. And it was a big scandal all over the place. And here I am at Money Magazine with my picture on the cover of this huge book with Sonny. <laughs> okay. That was not good. <laughs> I did not plan on this. I did not expect it, but I had to deal with it. So I've learned how to get letters into jail. And I got him a letter uh, giving me permission to do a new version of the book without him on it. And I still have the hand-scrawled letter. He said, yes, it's fine. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> So we came out with a new edition of the book where I'm only on the whole thing, and the book went on to sell a lot. But it was it was kind of dicey, uh, and here I am at Money Magazine and being on TV and all that and all the stuff with Sonny's going on. I've got this big book out there. So that was, I def definitely think, my worst moment. <laughs> I don't suppose you had to pay him. I don't suppose you had to pay him to do that. Did not have to pay him. He was in jail. He, he was feeling pretty bad. And he, here's a guy who had millions of dollars. He had a huge brownstone on the east side of manhattan worth millions he owned a radio network he did not need to do this in fact i told him at the time sonny you've got everything you're about to blow it don't do that you know and he, he just always wanted more it was the greed factor and that's what got him into trouble so you said what lessons did i learn well you really got to know who you're dealing with and uh, look at character and integrity uh and if you suspect something's a little bit off don't go there okay because you're asking for trouble um, I mean, I dealt with him for 10 years and, you know, he had Alan Greenspan. He had every major economist on his show and I thought it was fine. He'd done seven books before that. Um, but then he started doing some things that were a little bit shady and, and it all blew up. So 
I guess the lesson to learn is really check out the people you're dealing with, make sure they have integrity, because if they don't, it's going to go the wrong direction. All right, so current two-week experiment and a six-month project you're working on. Well, the the next big project I'm working on, I'm working with a company called MWR Life, uh, which is actually uh, helping people. It's MWR stands for Make Wealth Real. And you can look at the website, mwrlife.com. So I'm doing an entire what's called a debt resolution center, which is to help people improve all aspects of their debt lives, credit card debt, uh, student loan debt, mortgage debt, um, healthcare debt. It's a huge problem in this country, and I know a lot of the resources that can help people. So I'm putting this whole debt resolution center together to help people get the best resources to um, do that. And, and the two-week project is I'm doing a video library for MWR uh, that's going to have about 100 two-minute videos on every aspect of personal finance based on all my books in the past. So on top of all the radio and TV shows I'm doing all the time, those are that would be my two-week and my six-month project. So what is your simple passive cash flow number? You mentioned you're making 15000 a week or sixty a month. And right. I guess people are going to ask, like, well, what's what do you want? Like, when are you going to stop? Well, I'm building several different passive cash. I mean, that's what it is now. It has been building over the years as all these affiliates kind of work out. It doesn't happen instantly. But if you have good relationships, you work with good people, keep keep adding. I, I think it could double in two years, frankly, with what I've got going. Um, and each of these, like the MWR I just mentioned, uh, the real estate, all these different areas, keep building. And uh, I'm 62. I'm not like you. I'm double your age, actually. So at some point, I want to slow down a little bit more and have the passive inflow you know, cover me so I can slow down even more. I'm not there yet, but that's my goal. Any indication of what that number is? And I guess what would that kind of lifestyle would that get you? Um, well, $2 million a year, something like that would be a good number. Um, I just bought a, a place in Nicaragua. That was kind of fun. A, um, uh, I know you've done Belize. <laughs> so it's a uh, beautiful, beautiful resort called Rancho Santana. People can look up about it at ranchosantana.com. And it's these beautiful condos right on the beach. And I go there once or twice a year. And the rest of the time, they rent it out for like five or $600 a night. And it's positive cash flow from day one because it's they can charge it so much. And it's a beautiful, beautiful place. They've just put an airport in there about a year ago. And it's uh, beautiful beaches and just a wonderful place to go. So that's the kind of thing I'm able to do now that I wasn't able to do two or three years ago because of the cash flow that's coming in. So I'm investing it in things. That will pay off. I get a nice vacation out of it, and it's positive cash flow. So, Jordan, after you go to simplepassivecashflow.com and sign up for my Hui Deal Pipeline Club, what are you going to burn your cash on for a time savings or improvement of quality of life? Learn to outsource things. <laughs> In the past, I have outsourced enough, and I don't have to do everything. And so I outsource booking me on TV shows, um, just a lot of things I've learned to outsource, which I think is a, a good use of – it's, again, leveraging my time to some extent. Uh, as far as burning my cash, I mean, the thing I just did in Nicaragua I think is a good example of that. But it's not throwing the money away. I mean, it's it's going to appreciate over time, and it's going to provide nice vacations and positive cash flow. So those would be my current examples to improve my quality of life. Can I ask you like a few things that you're doing? You're using these VAs or whatever to – Maybe your personal or your business, just some ideas, because I'm having trouble figuring out what these people can do. So 
I don't have to do anything. I'm gonna, you know, cleaning my office up, or uh, they, they, I've got four different people booking me on TV and radio shows, so I don't have to go do it. I mean, there are people that have expertise in those areas. I can tell them what to do, but they have to go do it. Um, I mentioned the uh, the real estate fund. Again, I refer people to it. I don't have to do the real estate transactions. There are people there who are expert at doing that. So as much as I can outsource, the, the MWR Life, there's a whole organization behind that, uh, which is multi-level marketing, which is helping people do financial education. I do the financial education part. They do all the signing up part. And so I'm kind of at the top of the pyramid. And if the work that I do, teleseminars, the video library, that brings in more members, I benefit from that without having to sign anybody up. That makes sense? So you see how I'm kind of outsourcing things and using leverage uh, to build cash flow. Right. I mean, your value is that you're, you're the go-to guy everybody needs to go to. Exactly. So that's my expertise, and that's a good use of my time. Signing up individual people is not a good use of my time, right? So I'm, And that's what I'm saying your audience should do is find out what their specific talent is and leverage it and outsource the stuff that you're not either good at or don't want to do, and then you benefit from that, and it's a win-win because the people benefit from your knowledge and expertise, and they're doing what they're doing that's best. There's something that you recently changed your mind on. The hard thing for me is to say no, <laughs> and I'm learning to say no. I can't do everything, and I like to put a lot of people together and I like things to come to fruition, and they don't always come to fruition. Uh, I'm a big believer in what's called the dolphin culture. And what, what that means is dolphins help each other in, a, in a, a school, and they protect each other, and they kind of do things together without asking for return, unlike sharks that are out for themselves. So I do a lot of things in the dolphin culture, helping other people without expecting anything in return. I mean, I do get return sometimes, but not always. But my weakness is helping people too much in a certain way and never getting anything in return from it. I just, I, I'd like to create good positive karma in the world and usually it comes back and helps me. Yeah, something I notice, I mean, you can tell pretty off the bat when somebody comes up to you and if they're a giver or a taker. Right. And in general, in the long run, the givers are going to do better because when you're a giver, other people want to give to you. When you're a taker, People want to take from you. So it's it's a mentality shift that a lot of people are not out there. They're very uh, scarcity conscious, I guess you might say. And if if I don't get it, then I'm going to lose it, basically. I, I think, as I've said before, one plus one can equal three. If you can leverage your expertise with those of others, you can create something the two of you can do together that you couldn't do individually. And that's kind of the dolphin culture. So I'm very big at that whole idea of and, and I do this all the time. I put people together because I think the two of them would work with each other. I don't necessarily need to get anything out of it, but they appreciate it and good things come back at me, just the way I've always approached things. Yeah, I do that too. And then something I recently realized is you only put givers with givers, even though a taker is in your network, you don't put a taker with a giver. Right, true. Uh, and there aren't enough givers out there. People are, and today's environment particularly, there's a lot of kind of fear out there today, I would say. And it's like a zero-sum game. I got to get my piece of the pie because if I don't get it, somebody else is going to get it. I, I like to help expand pies. I guess let's put it that way. Uh, I mean, I'm trying, you know, I'm on your show trying to help people. I'm not expecting anything back in particular, but I love to help your audience. And I've given them lots of resources so far that can help pay their mortgage off faster and 
earn 8%. Good, good stuff. I like to help people this way. Yeah, so the last question here is that Tony Robin identifies two large concepts that we're continually struggling to gain perfection at. The first is art fulfillment and the science of achievement. So if, if you died tomorrow and I were to email this to your family, what would they hear? What's your, so first, what's your secret or hack to the science of achievement? I would use again use this idea of leverage. Uh, I've achieved an awful lot by helping other people achieve their goals. Uh, I've gone to schools and taught kids about personal finance. I've done 14 books. Uh, I do lots of call and radio shows where I answer people's questions. So I feel that I've really given back a lot. And there's a lot of karma out there that's very positive. People like to work with me. And so on my headstone, it would be, <laughs> he helped a lot of people. Something like that would be, and that would feel good. It's not, And as you can see, it's also producing income as well. But just giving really feels good. That's That's the biggest achievement, I think. Give without uh, hold to the outcome. Yeah, give without ex expectation of immediate return. And the long term, you'll get back a bigger return by not expecting a return. Not the quid pro quo? That would be a taker, yes. <laughs> and I, we're, we're givers. What is your secret hack to the art of fulfillment? Um, I think helping other people in significant ways that make a difference in their lives makes you feel fulfilled. And uh, it's a lot hard. It's hard for some people to get there, but that really is. And and the more financial security you can build up, the more ability it gives for you to help other people. I mean, the most dramatic example probably is Bill Gates, who made fifty billion dollars or whatever he made, you know, founding Microsoft. And in the prime of his career, he left it all to found the foundation with his wife, and he's giving back literally billions of dollars and all kinds of really significant projects all around the world to cure diseases and just do all kinds of things. I mean, he's going to die feeling fulfilled. He, yes, he made a ton of money doing something great with software, but he's he's given it back really big time. And so on a smaller scale, I think people can do the same kind of thing. All right, Jordan, anything we missed? Do you want to give your contact information out? Sure. So my website is moneyanswers.com. Uh, all kinds of links, videos, emails, all kinds of things on there. I've got a podcast, blogs. Uh, so I'm glad to hear from your listeners at moneyanswers.com. There's a little Ask Jordan button there. And I really would love to help your folks if I possibly can. All right, guys. Make sure you guys leave a review for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. See you guys next time. Bye. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.